He is on the throne. What can the righteous do when the foundations are shaken? God is in his holy temple. He is not shaken. And as he is not shaken, so he has not changed. That he is still God of all. He is Lord of all. And that he wants us to come and experience his own heart, which is mind-boggling. And we're going to get to this in just a minute. But I am so thankful that he is not a God who just sits up there and says, yeah, you need to do this, this, and this, and this. And, and if you do all these things, then, then you can possibly come up to heaven and you can be with me. You know, there's so many things that God wants to give us, but the greatest thing that he wants to give us is himself. Yeah. And that's what, that's what overwhelms me. Every day overwhelms me of a God who longs to be with me. Yes. Right? Who longs with, to be with me, but longs to be with every person on the planet. He longs to have relationship with not just me, with billions who he knows intimately. And he knows everything that they've ever been through. And it totally overwhelms me to think of a God like that who wants such intimate relationship with us. So we talk about the end times, and we get, we get sometimes caught up in what, what is this horse, and what is, what is that seal, and, and what is that bowl, and what is, what is truly the, the nature of the wrath of God. And we can get caught up in these questions, and, and we lose, I think, sometimes the connection that we must have with the Heavenly Father in all of these things, right? Right? And then Paul would even say, when he would talk about end times, he would say, encourage each other with these words. Yeah. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let me be encouraged by what you're saying, not discouraged right. by what you're saying, because you will have your way. Yes. So let's, let's go to Peter in Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 3, it says, Knowing this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is this promise of his coming? <laughs> Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, and through which the world at that time was even destroyed and being flood with, flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved and reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So Peter is saying, boy, God just can't wait to destroy people. That's not what he's saying. We can get that way, though, right, can't we? Judgment is coming. God is about to destroy. Peter is talking this way, and then what does he say? But don't let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. Which millennium are we in, by the way? Anyway, let's, that's a whole other thing. 
The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That we think, well, why, how could you wait any longer, God? Why isn't it happening? What, what, what's, we have the answer right here. He is not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. That he is patient. God is patient. He is patient with us. He is patient with me. I am so thankful for his patience. I am so thankful that he is a God who has not given up on the world. And he is patient for those who do not know him yet. And he is wanting all to come to him. Jesus died for all. And he is wanting all. He wants all of them. And that he will wait for them all to come. Now, there are many, many that will reject him, and we have this. We, we recognize this. But he wants all to have the opportunity to have the mind shift, to have the heart shift, to have the drawing of the Holy Spirit that they cannot resist and that they come running into the arms of the, of the Father and receive favor and grace. That's what our God wants. He doesn't want to just destroy everybody. He created this. He created all of us for the, for the expression and the engagement of his own love. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That we have this kind of a God. And it's, In fact, it says in, in verse 15, Peter says, regard or think upon, consider that the patient of the Lord as salvation... Consider that he is not coming because he wants all to be saved. And we have to have that picture. We have to understand this. And that we can, we can be frustrated at times. God, how could you wait? How could you wait any longer? And he's saying, this is why. Because I want all the fullness to come in. I want as many as will Come to me. Jesus says, oh, everyone who is thirsty, let him come. Let him come. That is the heart of the Father. Yes. And so that Jesus, Jesus is still, wait, let me just ask the question. Wait, who is the Savior of the world? Will it be uh, governments? Will it be kings? Will it be thrones? Will it be, who is the Savior of the world? Will it be mankind? Will it be the climate change advocates. Who is the savior of the world? Jesus. Jesus is still the savior of the world. He is the one, not any other. There is no other saviors of the world. As much as we come up with great ideas and we have such great information, how has that information saved the world so far? It hasn't, right? We know that. You can see it plain as day. Jesus is still the Savior of the world. He always was. He always will be. He is the Savior. Thank God. Don't give up on the world because Jesus is the Savior of the world. That's why I don't give up. That's why Jesus, Jesus is telling me, don't give up. Don't give up. 
But it's easy sometimes, and I think all of us can agree, it's easy sometimes to, to see the things in the world and say, oh, it's like hopeless cause. There's nothing that can happen. How could this be? There's no way. Or we could even have relationship with a specific person and that we are, we are meeting them and they are so just resistant yeah. to the things of God. And we think, well, it's just impossible, right? Oh, there's just no way. Is that where God wants us to go? No. And that's what I think God was getting me to. He was saying, don't, don't even entertain the idea, is what he was saying. It wasn't like I was thinking of somebody and I was just rejecting them. I wasn't even that way. He was just saying, don't even entertain the thought that I can't do something here, right? Don't entertain the thought that this one's too far gone. Don't entertain that idea because I will come and I want to move in this person's life and you are the person that I want to do it through. Whew. The thank God that he gives us his presence. But do you know that we not only are receivers of his presence, but we, are, we, we release the presence of God? Where do we go? Whew. That is an amazing thought. Now Jesus did that. Now he calls us to walk as himself, that you're going to walk in the release of God's presence, the release of God's love, that when there is salvation that comes, deliverance that comes, that healing comes, that's the hand of God that actually worked through you to be released upon the earth, and that you are actually bringing the presence of God where you go. That's right. So he would say to the apostles, he would say to the 70, wherever you go, say, the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? Because they were there. Yes, that's right. Because they, they were the ones that carried the presence of God, and so they were the ones that were near. <laughs> they, they, they were near now in this kingdom place. You know, I was thinking, when I was thinking about this, you think, there, there's just so many people that, are, how could it be, oh God? And this guy has just come back into the news because there was some kind of series, I think, on it. His name is Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know if you guys all remember Jeffrey Dahmer, but he was a serial killer uh, in the 1990s, I believe it was, in, um, uh, around Chicago, I believe, or Illinois, somewhere. Jeffrey Dahmer, he had killed 90, or it's 90, he had killed uh, 17 young, young men. Uh, just horrible circumstances. And... Uh, it was amazing because the testimony of Jeffrey Dahmer, he went into jail and that he actually then encountered Christ and came to the Lord in jail. And in fact, a pastor then was called and came and uh, because he wanted, Jeffrey Dahmer wanted to be baptized. And the pastor is just, you, you know, blown away. Uh, and I've read some articles from the pastor. The pastor, the pastor believed he was completely genuine, completely genuine, had a complete turnaround. Amen. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you though, when when a lot of people heard that Jeffrey Dahmer became a Christian, they were like, "No, right? Absolutely not. That doesn't happen. Because why? Because that's impossible. Because you can't change someone like that." Well, we know that there was someone in Scripture, actually, that was trying to kill Christians, and he was changed in an instant. Yes. Right? So we have precedent. 
We actually have precedent. And so that Jeffrey Dahmer, actually becoming a Christian, should be a moment of praise, right, to us? Not a moment of dismay. You know, and this morning, so let me just take a back seat. That's just a second. I, don't, I probably don't have time for this, but let's take a back seat. So Valerie re- releases this word of pornography. God is breaking pornography. You know, I, I so wish that the church would just be okay with all the men that are affected by that just coming right up and just getting ministry. And we're not even going to see a single thing. We're just going to see the love of God. Right? Because, because the church has tended to just wait for someone to step out to see, wait, why are you going up? Oh, wow. Now I know, yeah, see, I knew that they had problems like that. And I'm not saying you guys do that. I'm just saying that there is that feeling that people don't want to step out because I don't want someone to find out something about me, right? But but the presence of God, let all of that fall down. Let all of that be gone. I'm just so thankful for the testimonies uh, of another uh, of of many that have come out. Pastor Alex has even testified just of God's just amazing grace in his own life, and it was just so powerful. And so many. It was on a Wednesday night, I believe, and so many just responded to that kind of transparency and that kind of love that was just shown and demonstrated. We should be okay with God doing the impossible. Right? right. We should expect it. Jesus determines what is possible. Right? Right? Jesus is the one who determines what is possible. So if Jeffrey Dahmer can get saved, Jesus determines that. And if Jesus is okay with Jeffrey Dahmer getting saved, then I need to be okay with it too. And if he is not an impossible case then where are there any impossible cases out there? And in fact, we become become testimonies of the impossible, and that's what we should be, right? We should be these testimonies of the impossible in our lives. And in fact, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about (coughs) four ways that we we can demonstrate the God of the impossible, on the earth. That we can be these testimonies on the earth that are releasing the presence of God where we are because we want people to grab hold of this God of the impossible. That we stepped into the impossible realm. In fact, the kingdom of God, that's a defining characteristic because things that don't normally happen on the earth happen in the kingdom of God. And I get excited about that because he has invited me into that kingdom. Jesus, all oh, that is just so beautiful, and then it becomes part of my DNA. Yes. That's what you're asking me to walk in. Me, why me? I don't deserve to walk in it. None of us deserve to walk in it. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, first one don't stop being a living testimony of the impossible. Your life is an invitation to encounter an impossible God. Your life, 
what you have been through, what God has done in your life that has, has been impossible, that when you encounter people and you, you relate these encounters that you have had with God, then it's going to do something. It will do something. That either people are going to be like, wow, how does that happen? How could that happen to me as well? Or I don't want to have anything to do with you, you nutcase. <laughs> what? I've had people like that. I've shared with people like that. And they're like, absolutely not. And you know what? They can walk away. And guess who didn't give up on them? That's right. That's right. He, he didn't even give up on them. He was like, that's, that's foolish. That's, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And they walk away. And Jesus says, I still love you. Isn't that why he's such a great God? So he keeps working. You know, in, in John chapter 9, I want to just look at this really quick. So Jesus is ministering in Jerusalem. In John chapter 9. I better get there too. John chapter 9, Jesus is ministering in Jerusalem. Uh, teaching all kinds of things. Confronting the Pharisees. <laughs> time and time again. Uh, as he's walking through Jerusalem, he sees this man who was born blind. And the man is just sitting there, and the disciples just, just start, they want to have a conversation about, well, why is this happening, Jesus? Oh, you know, who sinned? Was it, his, was, did it, was he, was it his sin? Was it parents? You know, Jesus is like, no. <laughs> Stop. You're not even thinking like the kingdom of God. Right. This is actually for the glory of God to be manifest. And so Jesus, the guys did not, he, it doesn't even say that he's asking Jesus anything right here in John. Jesus goes, and he starts making, making mud. He starts to make mud, and he goes over to the man that was born blind because of his sin. Everybody was judging. Right. Yeah, your sin. See, the reason why you're blind is because you are cursed, because of something bad that you or your parents have done, and therefore, that's how you are. But Jesus is like, oh, no, let's go over here because this is what the kingdom of God is like, and so he smears his, he smears his eyes with mud, and he says, now go to the pool of Siloam. Isn't this fascinating? So Jesus healed all kinds of different people, all kinds of different ways. And this is what he says to the guy. And so he, this guy goes to the pool of Siloam. And it says he actually goes to the pool. So he probably was blind while he was going to the pool. And then he washes in the pool and he receives his sight and he comes back seeing. Could you imagine this? And that he's seeing now and everybody could be, you know, his friends that he's been around before. Like, whoa. You can't be the same person, right? This is impossible. No way that this can happen. And so he is just like, no, it's me. It's me. It's really me. I can see now, right? Could you imagine this? And so he's walking around Jerusalem, and he's seeing all these people. He's seeing all these things, and he had never seen before. He was born blind. Well, a ruckus begins to happen. Ruckus. Wow. Is that an old word? That's probably an old word. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> thank you for laughing at me. Uh, so, so this this ruckus happens in in this city, in the city of Jerusalem, and the people start coming around, and they're they're all beginning asking him. And then they bring this man to the to the Pharisees and to just Jewish leaders, and they're like, "Man, you look at this! This guy he he couldn't see before, but but Jesus came and." And he healed him. 
Like, no, 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 that, that doesn't happen. There's no way. He wasn't born blind. That's crazy. And so they actually put him on trial for being healed. They do. They put him on trial. I mean, it's not the Sanhedrin trial, but basically it's on trial. And that all the leaders begin asking him questions. Like, who was this man? Where is he from? What is all this all about? And so let's pick it up in John 9, 24. It says, so a second time, so they brought his parents, so they, they questioned him, then that wasn't good enough, so they bring his parents, and they questioned them, and they were like, well, you just need to keep talking to him, because he can answer for himself, because they didn't want to be excommunicated. And then it says in verse 24, so a second time they called the man who had been blind, and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He's talking about Jesus. We know that Jesus is a sinner. Wow. He then answered... Whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. Oh, yes. So they said, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You want to become his disciples too? <laughs> this guy is awesome. This is one of the people I totally want to meet in heaven, right? They reviled him. They reviled him, and they said, you are my disciples. Uh, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he's even from. The man answered and said to him, well, that is amazing. The word is like astonishing, like, how could you possibly believe this? Well, here is an amazing thing that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. There you go. There you go. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Wait, so who probably is not a sinner? Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Isn't that so good? And I think that what they were speaking of him to do, they said, glorify God. That's what he was doing right here. <laughs> Glorifying God. By what had happened, the impossible God who worked on his behalf. It's hard to argue with what has happened to you, right? Really tough for people to argue with what you have encountered in God. Well, Jim, you know, uh, I don't have that testimony. I haven't been, uh, I haven't been healed of, you know, blindness from, from birth. But l let, me, let me suggest something about this. Uh, let's go to Scripture uh, and, and look at what it says about what has happened with us. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, yeah. Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all, I just love the word so much. And I love saying y'all, so. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up as a Yankee. I, I admit it. Uh, I confess. Um, <laughs> I'm thankful for my years uh, as a Yankee. But, but I am so thankful to be here in Texas. I really am. And I'm not just trying to gain your favor. I mean, I really do. I'm not a cowboy fan. So now it's like, oh, stone him, stone him. 
<laughs> but Ephesians chapter 2, uh, this is so great. So this is describing now us. Every single person that has trusted in Christ as their Savior, that has now come into a relationship with Him. They believe that Jesus died for their sins and rose on their behalf, and now that He has made them righteous. Uh, That's what Paul is talking about here. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. You walked like the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The same prince that was working in Jeffrey Dahmer was working in every single one of us. That same prince, that same spirit was working in every one of us. Of Of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That's what we were called. We were called sons of disobedience, children of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by very nature children of wrath or children destined to wrath. Even as the rest, we were were this. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jack, can you give me a chair, please? Grab me a chair. I want you to come up here. Jack, you're going to be Jesus for me. Thank you. Can I have, uh, yeah, can I have those things? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Oh, 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 Jesus. Okay. So, so Jack is, y'all got it? Jack is Jesus. Okay. So Jesus rose from the dead, right? Where did he go? He sat at the right hand of God the Father, right? That's yours, Jesus. Um, So Jesus is at the right hand of God, right? So it would be a lot for me to try to explain all this stuff. So sorry, cameraman. I know this is horrible. So here we, oh, don't stand by the speaker with the microphone. Okay. So here we are. Dead, right? (laughs) Dead in our transgressions. I wish I had a little flower, right? Dead in our transgressions. So we are dead in our transgressions. We were just like all the others that are walking on the on the earth that have the spirit of of the prince of the air working within them. We were all dead, but because of what Jesus has done. And because he even awakens us to what he has done for us, then when we see him and we reach for him, then we are, we become what? Raised with him. We we are raised with him. We are brought to life. We are brought to life in Christ. And so then, not only that, we're brought to life, but then we are raised with Christ. 
right? We are raised with Christ, and then we are then not only raised with him to be alive. That's the amazing thing right there. Well, now we come. Okay, Jesus, no. Just sit right there. One cheek. So now it says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay? And Jesus totally knows the deal. Not only are we seated with him, but then we obtain an inheritance with him. That his scepter is now my scepter. That his inheritance is my inheritance. Jesus, you are so awesome. Thank you. Just stay here. No. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Let's keep reading. Remember that you were at that time, at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. You didn't have any of it. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made both groups, and he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, made both groups into one and broke down the barriers of the dividing wall by abolishing in his own flesh the enmity which was against us uh, of the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death that enmity. Jesus made this way for us to come to him and through him we both have our access in verse 18 by the Spirit. 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received the mercy of God. Oh. So has God done anything impossible in your life? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. He knew who I was. Yes, he did. He knew everything about me. And his choice was for me to sit with him in this place and hold his inheritance in my hand. 
something that I don't deserve. I never earned it. But because of his great love, I am seated with him. Let this blow us, let this completely blow us away. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it needs to. Because I need to be completely blown away with what he has done for me. Because I know what he wants to do for everyone else. He wants to do that same thing. All the stuff. And if I was ever to curse, I would use a different word there. Of all the stuff of this world that people walk through, that he wants to pull them out of the miry clay and set their feet on the rock. The rock that is higher than all of these things. That, that they, they abound then, then they, they can be victorious in, yes. even in this life, that this is yes. what Jesus has come to give. Yes. So thank you, God, for doing the impossible in our lives. Yes. We could never have done it. It, it, it truly is a miracle. Yes. It is a miracle that I am sitting right here with you. Yes. Lord, it, it's beyond my understanding but I thank you for the revelation that you give to us more and more, day by day, of who, you, who you've called us as and then who you want everyone else to be. Yes. Thank you. All right, thanks. Woo! Jack, okay, you just leave it there. That's great. Thank you, Jack. Woo, thank you, Jesus. You are evidence. You are a living testimony of the God of the impossible. You carry around with you all of these realities. But Jim, I just don't feel like I'm seated in Christ. Well, it's okay, you are. If you've trusted Christ, let the word speak to what you feel. Okay? Because sometimes we don't feel what the word is. We need to let the word tell us what to feel. I need to feel that I am seated with Christ. And that we are seated there positionally. That's who we are. That's what we, that's our identity right now. Now, we have see in fullness all of it yet because we're here. We're on the earth. But that's from where we live. That Paul says to Colossians, he says, keep seeking the things above where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And I am seated with him. That's right. Right? Keep seeking those things and that perspective, and that will help you in every conversation that you're having with someone who feels like so abrasive, and I just don't know how you could even move, God, but, but I know you want to grab hold of their heart, and I know you want to change their lives. So, God, give me that heart to not let go, to believe in the impossible, to be an example of the impossible. So that was the first thing. The second thing, don't stop believing. <laughs> and I want to sing the journey song. Don't stop believing. Sorry. That's not appropriate, Jim. That is totally not appropriate in church. Nobody else knows that song, Jim, just you. I know. Anybody that was uh, 80s, uh, high school in the 80s, that would be. Well, and then all of my kids know it, too, for some reason. They're like, oh, yeah, I know it. Um, 
Okay, I can't even go here. But it's the woman with the issue of blood. Remember, 12 years. So she was, she was in rejection. She was unclean. She was disappointed. She was hurt. She was heart aching for 12 years. But thanks be to God that he stirred her own heart to believe yes. and to keep believing. I, I, this is so great. So that this woman, she says, because get the picture of this woman that, that she wasn't even supposed to walk around because she was making other people unclean and that nobody wanted to be around her. And that, so she's going to be living this life of shame and rejection. Shame and rejection. That's who, who I am, basically. And so that person of shame and rejection would probably not want to come and, and present their case before Christ and say, Jesus, would you please, because I've had this, she probably didn't even want to do any of that because she has been shamed for so long. And so she grabs what ounce of faith that God gave to her and she says, if only I can just touch the hem I don't actually have to touch him. If I just touch the hem of his garment and I could sneak away, I will be healed. Yeah. And so she goes, right? So she goes and she grabs hold and she's healed. And she's like, whoa, you know, stop. Stop the presses. And he's like, power has left for me. And the disciples are like, you what? What are you talking about? You know, this is just impossible. And sure enough, and this lady was healed. And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Why? Well, yeah, because she moved forward. She went to go grab hold of Jesus. She went to go grab hold of the impossible. And this is the second thing I was saying. That don't stop believing in the impossible and the God of the impossible. Because he still wants to meet us in those places. And in fact, we need to put ourselves and be comfortable with being uncomfortable in the places where it is impossible unless you show up, God, that we need to get ready to be in those places regularly. I can't do this, Lord, but you can do this. And so I choose to put myself into this place, grab hold. What's so beautiful about it is that so then she, she is healed, and it says then later in Matthew, what happens? And when the men of that place recognized him, Jesus, they sent word into all the surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. And they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak and as many as touched it were cured. So what was once impossible was now regular occurrence. Because of one person that extended their faith into the impossible. And then everybody else started grabbing hold of that. It is possible. I can be healed. I know God can move. That that is what we do. That when we say, this is what God did and met me in this place, then it draws people to stir their own faith and grab a hold of it too. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I'm so thankful for, for Miss Kay giving her testimony, being healed of stage four cancer. Because when Kay comes up here and says, this is what I did, and I grabbed hold of Jesus, and when she is saying that, and this is what I experienced, I, I was healed of stage four cancer. And then we, then we just run up there and say, yes, I am going to grab it too, right? Yeah. That Jesus wants us to move in that place. 
we like to call it, I like to call it the testimony train. It is so great that you, you let this testimony train just start taking off. And that one person gives that testimony, wow, and then, they, then the next person gets saved. And then they give a testimony. And then somebody else then gets that hold of that one. And then they get healed. And then it just keeps moving on. And that that's what God does. That he wants us to grab hold of these impossible things. And that that's what we were supposed to walk in. The not so impossible, right? That's right? Because it's not really impossible in the kingdom of God. That's right. What is possible? What is impossible with man? Truly, it's possible with God. Not only possible, it's going to happen. Yes. Who God keeps God keeps asking us to step into these places. The 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 third thing is don't stop loving with an impossible Christ-like love. A love that does not give up. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never fails. Even the hardest hearts, even the hardest hearts can be melted. And uh, I bumped in again, well, this is Jesus, and he's saying to the disciples, it's so good, you know, a new, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. The way I have loved you, that's the newness of this commandment. Now, I told you to love one another before, but I, wanna, I want you to love me I, I want you to love others like I love people. Yes. Woo! Okay, so that's the new one, yeah. right? That's the new one. And then he goes on, by this, though, by this kind of love will all men know that you are my disciples. If you love, like I'm just saying right now, like me, if you love one another the way I love, without restraint, extravagantly. I love that song, you know, he's going to bound over mountains to demonstrate his love to me, and he has done it over and over and over again. And when we experience his love, then we cannot, you really can't help but share how much he has loved you, right? Who? So there's a documentary, and it's called The Dropbox, and I think it came out in 2016, and it is about... uh, a pastor in Seoul, Korea. His name is Lee John Rock, and he's a pastor of God's Love Community Church, appropriately named. And uh, there was this problem with children just being left in streets and dumpsters and, and all kinds of unwanted newborn children, and they were just being left all over. And sometimes people would come and they would leave these babies on his doorstep. And uh, they had a special needs children, a child of their own, and they were taking care of taking their own child, uh, and their heart just went out to these, these babies that ended up showing up at their door. Well, this pastor decided that he would make a drop box. And he made a box that people could come that didn't want their baby, and they would put the baby in this box, and they would ring a bell, and he would come and get the baby. And they have saved hundreds and hundreds of kids. The the testimony is just so incredible. The word got out about this pastor and this church. And, you know, some people have criticized, well, you know, they're just perpetuating the cycle because he's taking care of all these kids. And, well, basically that's population control. That's the world ways way of doing things. Well, if we just got rid of all these kids, you know, then that, that would be fine. Then, then we'd be great. 
That's totally not the kingdom of God. We all know this, right? So uh, Hollywood got a hold of this story. They're like, oh, yeah, let's make, a bit, let, let's make something about this. And, and so uh, it, it's really incredible. There was a director from Hollywood that actually was in Seoul, Korea, but he was supposed to be making a whole other movie, and he bumped into this pastor and this story, and he wanted to just take a look at it, and he got so profoundly impacted that he decided that this is what I want to film. It says in the Hollywood Reporter, which this is not a, a Christian journal or anything, it says the director of the Dropbox, Brian Ivey, was transformed by the making of the film. This is in the Hollywood Reporter. He grew up going to church on Christmas and Easter and considering himself a Christian because I didn't, want, I didn't smoke cigarettes and I watched Fox News with my mom. <laughs> Basically, that's why I was a Christian. But witnessing Lee's sacrifice and compassion for the abandoned children changed his perspective. These kids were helpless, he says. And I realized I was broken and helpless too, and I also needed to be rescued. He totally changed his plans. He made this documentary, and he dedicated his life to Christ. You think, is, is there hope for Hollywood? Yeah. There really even is. As much as I think, no way. There really is hope. God still does the impossible. If we will just live how he wants us to live. And the fourth thing I have is, um, well, and I wanted to show you a little clip of that. It's three minutes. You guys, give me three minutes. Uh, if you guys could play that clip uh, for the Dropbox right now, that would be great. If not, and then I was weeping. I always cry when I'm angry. And she said, why are you crying? It's only orphan. Baby Box is South Korea's first and only box to collect abandoned infants. Hundreds of unwanted babies are abandoned on the streets of Seoul, South Korea every year. Tragic loss of life moved a pastor said to set up a way for saving unwanted babies. ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知ですか。ご存知
그 아이들이 좋은 공간에서 많이 살고 있으니까 사람 공동체가 다른 것은 아버지 어머니가 아, 있기 때문이죠. 또 하지 않는 일 그리고 버려질 수 있고 또는 나라에서 하지 않고 있는 이런 일들을 하시는. Even if there's just one person that really cares about children, it makes such a difference. They're just human beings, just like anyone else. They have the right to live. 이제 이 문제가 한국만의 문제가. 아마 세계적으로 이 아이들이 이렇게 박혀버려서 희생당한 아이들이 많으니까 But these children, they're helpless, they're voiceless Who's going to speak for them? 이 아이를 보내면서 다시 한번 내가 헌신을 했어요 하나님, 이 아이들을 위해서 내가 죽겠습니다 믿음, 소망, 사랑 중에 시간 그, 그 중에 제일은 and this is how God works. And he speaks to me a lot of times. Then I'll, I'll see things like that. Yeah. And then he'll, he'll say, You know, I have a baby box for you to watch. All these people that come into your life, these are my precious babies. Yeah. They are all my babies. Yep. That God just does me in. So many die from abandonment. Did you see what he said yes. there? Yes. God never let me Abandon whom you died for. That's right. Amen. I'm not telling you you got to go everywhere and do everything, but the people that have been dropped into your box, God wants you to care for them and demonstrate his love to them, regardless of what they do for you. That's right. doesn't matter. Demonstrate your love. Demonstrate your love, oh God, through me to your children. <coughs> Do the impossible, God. That's what I ask. Yeah. The fourth thing is, and this is the dangerous part, right? Yeah. Don't stop asking for the opportunity to show the God of the impossible. Don't stop asking. Jesus said, beseech God. It means just cry out with every bit of effort you got. Cry out to the Lord of the harvest. And he sent out his laborers into his harvest field. You know what he said after that? Go. Go ahead. Now you go. You prayed it. Now you walk it. Yes. So God, I'm praying in this place that we be these people. Yes. Lord, let us believe you big. You are still saving. You are still rescuing. You are still delivering. 
you are still demonstrating your love. Lord, we ask to have your eyes in all things and your heart. <coughs> Let us be undone with the needs of this world. Let us not look away and say, ah, there's no hope. No, there is hope because there's hope in Jesus. There is always hope in you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, God, that you have not given up. Thank you, Lord. If that's your heart cry, I want you to just stand. I want to pray over you this morning. I just thank you, Jesus, that as you are, <laughs> so also are we in this world. <laughs> How can that event? Yeah, that is just amazing because you have given us, you've installed your heart in our hearts. And God, I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for every person that has this heart to be a testimony of the impossible, the impossible love and goodness and favor of God that wants to see them, see them in right relationship with the God of the universe. And Father, I thank you that you instill that, that heart in us today again, yes. again, 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 Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, for the people that you put in our lives. And so I pray over each one that's standing. I say this week, Lord God, give them a fresh opportunity to minister this place of the impossible. Yes. Lord, that this, this is what you do. Let us be testimonies of a, of a God who has, who has brought us back to life, seated us with himself, given us his own inheritance, put upon us his own heart. Lord God, we thank you for this today. Lord, let us walk in these days. If they are the last days, Lord, that truly let us walk and make the most of every single opportunity in these last days. Oh, God. Jesus, thank you that you walk with us in all of these things. Lord, we're not making the impossible possible. You are. We're releasing the Lord Jesus Christ for people to be encountered with the God of the universe that brings those that were dead back to life. Lord God, we just thank you. Lord, let it be done in these people, oh, God, in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come forward. And this is what I'm asking. I'm asking right now for you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a name. Whatever name comes into your head, I want you to start releasing. You will turn to the Lord. You will hear the voice of the Lord. You will, you will understand what God is saying to you. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then you begin to prophesy over that person. And that as you, as you have that person in your mind, you just continue to pray and marinate over the good news of Jesus Christ and the love of God that has been shed abroad for that person. Ministry team, if you're come forward, um, this is what I want you to do. I want whoever, if you're coming up, and you can come up for anything. If you don't know Christ, please. Oh, you, you want to know Christ. And these people would love for you to pray with them to know Christ in just a deep, personal way. But for others, I would say, if you have that person in mind, and it's, it's, it's a struggle. I don't know how they can come back to you, God. I just... It's yeah. tough to even, to even see it. I want you to come up, and they're going to pray over you, and they're going to pray over fresh eyes. They're going to prophesy over what God will do in that situation and over that person. And, Lord, 
Lord, we just thank you that you're releasing words over these people that we have in our mind right now. You're releasing words, the living word, even through all these people. So God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I give you glory and I give you praise. Now, go in the grace and favor and the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish all things that Jesus has purposed for you to walk in. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. If you want prayer,